This episode is brought to you by First Response. First Response recognizes that not all pregnancies are the same and neither is the road to get there. The First Response brand is fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys and providing accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. With a variety of tests that detect pregnancy hormones early and often, First Response is there for you every step of the way. All First Response pregnancy test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. A quick note before we get into the episode, Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. So great to be back. We record these like fresh on Monday morning. So they're just like, it's a nice way to enter the week. I agree. I get all settled, get my coffee, and week starts up with oversharing. I, I actually really do. I like it as a first shot out of the box for the week. Same. And I was just commenting before we started about your hair, which looks great. Looks like you got a nice blowout. You've got great hair. I assume you get that from your dad's side. I don't know. My, dad, <laughs> my dad's pretty bald, so I don't know. Well, maybe uh, like maybe there's some his mother had women, long women yeah, on that side. Yeah. I, don't, I think your all your hair also changes once you hit menopause. So I think it's a different thing. But thank you. I'm actually trying out this new thing of not coloring my hair anymore. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I just got kind of tired of the idea that I would have to color, you know, once you get a certain age, like, right. I don't know, even know if you stop. color your hair, but it's, ev- I don't, and I mean, it's like, I don't every yet. six weeks. Oh, you don't yet. Good. That's great. I'm waiting for the first gray. You don't have a single gray hair. Not that I've seen. Wow, that's really great. Unless I'm just like not observant or not wearing my glasses. No, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure you're not. So they, I don't have know, any kids yet. Maybe they come in like <laughs> as soon as soon as you start. Yeah. No, well, you know what happens is like it's a little bit and then like I would just color it just to be like, whatever, I don't want to look at this, so I'm gonna color it. And then after a while it's kind of like now there's like a definitive line coming in. And if I don't color every six weeks, it's like there's grays coming in and I just, you know, I'm pretty low maintenance person. So I was like, am you I are. really going to do this every six weeks forever? And then I thought maybe I'll just try to let it go. So I would give, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You're probably not going to want to do this. Many of the listeners are probably not going to want to do this. But looking back, I almost wish that I never would have done it because then it would just be like a natural, like salt and peppery kind of thing. And now there's like this line this like roots line that's not as just kind of going gray gracefully as if I would have just left it alone. And silver is a pretty color. It's not like it's coming in like hot pink or something crazy. It's like a pretty color, but it's just the connotation that gray hair has that makes it feel. Right. I mean, arguably it's a prettier color than brown. Right. You think about it. But you're going to buy a car. Are you going to buy silver or gray or are you going to buy brown? Like it's yeah, nice color, right? So <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. It's, it's because it's sort of. I mean, it speaks to just aging in general. Like especially, I would say not especially, but kind of only for women. Like right, you're now caught in this trap of like the Botox and the and the hair dye and all these things to like pretend that you're not the age exactly. you are to seem younger but don't have to do any of that stuff they like are supposedly like looking better as they age that makes them look like more distinguished right yeah. it's really not fair and i think i want to also in some ways try to practice what i preach in terms of acceptance you know so you can't be accepting your aging while at the same time and it's one thing i guess if you're doing certain things that are in general healthy for you to protect you against certain aspects of aging, like, you know, drinking water and not smoking and doing things like that. Or even, you know, even, I guess, I don't know, even Botox, if you're doing that like once a year or something, but every six weeks be looking in the mirror and fighting against this thing felt to me a little bit like I just wanted to lean into it a little bit. So we'll see. Right. Honestly, I think you could pull it off. I don't know that I could. I think you... Well, that's I, why I have, have the like, blowout. Because I think you need like a nice sleek look if you're going to go... Like the right. wiry, like frizzy gray isn't exactly a great look as like a nice, smooth, sleek, 
Yeah, it has a different vibe. And I also just think you could kind of give off these like Mother Earth type vibes, oh, which you that's can what, go with. exactly what I'm going for. Thank right. you. Grandmother Willow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's back that up. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I mean, it is. It's funny, but I always think about this. Like, where's the line? And again, I have gotten Botox. I am would like to look young for a while. I think... I'm kind of like, where's the line between Botox or hair dye and makeup Mm -hmm. and, you know, Spanx and, you know, all these things. Like, I do kind of feel like it's personal preference. Like, if that's like something that gives you pride and you want to, like, you enjoy the maintenance of it, then I think it's fine. Right. If it feels like unnatural. And I feel like for you, it doesn't feel, I agree, it doesn't feel like something that you kind of preach, something that you speak about it doesn't feel like your vibe necessarily not that you're again not that you're like going into constant bouts of plastic surgery but i just don't really feel like you're one one of those like i need to keep up appearances right physically kinds of people right which there's nothing wrong with if that's you it's just kind of like staying true i think it's more about staying true to who you are you know and i think acceptance means different things for different people you're so you know you could be like i'm aging and i'm accepting the parts of aging that there are nothing there's nothing i can do about them you know like if your hair is something you can do something about and you don't mind doing it then go for it and there are going to be plenty of things that come with aging that there's nothing you can do about and you can lean into just accepting those parts of it but i think it's when you get into that place where you're just like not able to accept yourself as you are where it just ends up creating the mental strife that you know it's like you're swimming upstream at a certain point which is where i got to with the hair where i'm like i'm just not gonna keep doing this yeah and i've had like a i mean not the same experience but i went off birth control like six months ago and it's funny i always thought i had great skin um (laughs) I was like, I just have great skin. Like I'm just Courtesy a person of genetics. Sure. Now I'm like, oh, this is who I actually am. Right. I do not have great skin like at all. Like my skin right. is actually pretty bad. Right. And that was like a big psychological hurdle for me mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, I was living in like a delusional fantasy where I thought that I <laughs> totally, you know, knew, knew my body or knew knew who I was. And then I go off this external thing and I'm like, this is who I am. And it was like very upsetting for me in the beginning, especially because that was like sort of something that I internalized as something about me. Right. Also just like the idea that like, I feel like if I had always had bad skin, my current skin wouldn't have bothered. And it's funny. My dermatologist said the same thing. She's like, everyone who comes in here, like people who have always struggled with acne, like they don't, they're not that upset about it, but it's the people who suddenly have like adult acne, they're right. It's, it's really upsetting for them. And at first I was like, you know, it actually made me like not want to go out. I felt very self-conscious about it. I was trying to cover it up. And then eventually after a few months, I was just kind of like, All right, I'm doing what I can do, but also like, this is just what it looks like. Yes. And I have to like, and you kind of feel like, Oh, are people looking at me? Are they judging me? Do they think I look terrible? And maybe they are, but at the right. end of the day, it's sort of like, this is the reality of where I am right now. Totally. Yep. It's it's really interesting experience because like you said, it's a, like all relative to what you're used to for yourself. And even like you said, kind of, you created a little identity around having nice skin mm-hmm. and then it's gone. But I think it's, I all these things I think are an opportunity to accept yourself And that is going to bring you the most peace, you know, out of anything that you can do, just accepting whatever it is, whether it's weight or your skin or your hair or, you know, whatever comes your way. But I do think that, you know, like if you go out and you meet a friend and she has like a couple of pimples on her cheek, you're not like, you might notice it and you're like, oh, she's got a couple of pimples. Well, now I would like it. I'd be like, great. I feel better about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. Misery loves company. Uh, But you're not going to, think about it beyond that one second of maybe noticing it and moving on with your life, you know, or even like you said, you might feel like, oh, great. She's human too. Like she's not perfect. That makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. So I think sometimes thinking about how you'd react to other people that have that thing. Like I saw this woman and, you know, we were out in a restaurant and I saw, and that's what kind of inspired me. I saw this woman who had this, like, she had a young looking face and she had this beautiful gray hair and 
I wasn't thinking like, oh, what a hag. I was like, wow, she's like really owning it. And I thought it was super cool, you know? So yeah, I think you have to, you know, sometimes remind yourself, like, I'm not going to really be judging other people for pimples on their face or having gray hair. And they're probably not going to be judging me either. And right. if they are, then I don't really care what that person thinks about me because they're not like a super yeah. kind person. I agree. It does feel, I think, easier to do and to say if you are in a relationship and especially mm-hmm. in a long-term relationship where you feel like you kind of have nothing to prove or nothing, right. you're not trying to win anyone. Like almost when you're dating, like part of dating is sort of thinking about what other people think of you. You know, you go on a date, you're like, what outfit do I want? Like it's all about right. the perceived judgment of someone else. And so I think a lot of this acceptance stuff and I hear, I, mean, I think we should probably, we could probably do a whole episode on that in the future. But I think it's just a very, and I do believe that confidence is the most attractive thing. Yes. But I can be more experimental now. Yes. That, you know, I'm not, if I, if I had the skin and I was going on dates, I think it would be, I wouldn't be like, it is what it is. I just don't feel like I would do that. And maybe you, if you were, if you were like dating at this age, you might be like, well, what is, is he going to think I'm old? Is he going to think that I'm, you know, whatever it is. I think it's a totally different ballgame. So I think we should do, maybe in the future, we'll do a whole episode on on dating and self-acceptance and confidence because I just think that's definitely something I struggled with. I'm sure a lot of the listeners do too. For sure. And, you know, I think ultimately what you're all looking for is someone who's going to accept you and love you just the way you are. It doesn't start off like that. It starts off with like, let me just hook you with mm-hmm. all this external <laughs> stuff and then I'll tell you who I am. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> I will reveal in. the truth. So yeah, but I think ultimately that's when the fireworks happen in the beginning, like in this attraction, sexual way. But the real like falling in love piece, the real deep forever love piece comes from when you take off that cloak and you show the person all the things that you've been afraid to show them and then they love you anyway. That's like what I think everybody's really looking for. So that's why in dating, I think there's a period of time in the beginning where, yes, you want to put your best foot forward, but within a few, this is my, you know, personal take on this and you may disagree, but within a few weeks, within the first few dates, maybe four or five dates, you really have to start to just show who you are. And if that person is in anyway, then they're in. They're going to be more into you in some cases. Right. 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 Then the connection is deep and then they can open up and they can show, believe me, there are parts of them also that they're not showing you because they're afraid that you're not going to like it. So once you can both kind of come out from hiding about who you really are, the parts of yourself, like you show your skin without makeup on it, or, you know, you, whatever it is, you come over with a baggy t-shirt and aren't having the most sexy vibes all the time or whatever your thing is that you're not, that you're not willing to show. Once you show that, that's when you bring the relationship to another level. And yes, I do think because of human nature, there has to be that little period, short period in the beginning of just doing all the right things. But pretty quickly, I think it makes sense to see if someone's going to love you for who you really are. But I agree with you. It's not easy to go out and date with gray hair. It's not easy to go out and date with like a bad acne breakout. But I think ultimately the person that you're really looking for is probably, I know you're not going to want to do it, but they're not going to judge you on those things if they're right. Or if they are, they do, then that's not a match for you. That's not someone who's ever going to be interested in what you're doing. Right. And that's fine. I mean, that's sort of what dating's about. It's like going out and finding out what you like. And what you don't like, if something's a big turnoff for you, right. then it's just not going to be, this person's not for you. Right. Yeah. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know, but I honestly think that men are not going to be so, if there's a beautiful girl like you that was going out dating and you had some pimples on your cheek, like, I really don't think that a guy's going to be like, nope, she's out. She had right. pimples. For me, and again, I think the worst part of it, more than the pimples, would be if I would be like constantly trying to like cover my cheek or right. like self push like, your hair you, in front of your right. face, right? Or like go into the bathroom to like make sure it's covered or something like that. Like I think that's probably the bigger impediment to the connection or like the turnoff is like the lack of confidence in it or like the pers- like the clearer self consciousness about it than the right. actual thing itself. Where it's like this is you know it's not that big of a deal. You almost make it a bigger deal by the cover-up. 
is worse than the crime, as they say. Yeah. (laughs) There is nothing better than feeling yourself, especially when your denim looks and feels good. That's why Lee is a staple in my wardrobe, because everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so you can own your style and feel good about it. I got a few Lee pieces that I absolutely love. They've been a a wardrobe staple of mine ever since I got them. I just keep basically like switching between the two or three jeans that I got. Every time that I wash them, they get more comfortable and they get more fitted and more flattering to me. I love that they flatter every body type. They're timeless, so you can wear them at any point. I love that the jeans feel like comfortable yet flattering. I don't know how they do it. It's actually an art and they have mastered it. Leah's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. If you're looking for simple but quality products for your five-minute makeup routine or you want full-faced glam that'll stun on a night out, Thrive Cosmetics has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. It's easy to see why their bestsellers have thousands of five-star reviews. One of my favorite things about my Thrive products, and I love the mascara. I wear it on every single recording I have because it looks like I'm wearing eyelash extensions, but I'm not. I also love that Thrive Cosmetics supports communities that I care about. I also love Thrive's new Brilliant Eye Brightener. It's a highlighter stick made to brighten and open your eyes, giving you an instant eye lift. Just apply to the inner corner of your eyes to look rested and effortless. You can use it as an eyeshadow for a perfect daytime glow or use the metallic shades for an easy smoky eye. The foolproof formula makes it extremely easy to apply and blend any of the 16 shades. Perfect for five-minute makeup or full face glam. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash oversharing. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash oversharing for 10% off your first order. Let's get into today's episode because we've got some good emails. All right. Let's see. What do we have here? Okay. I'll read the first one. Today's overshare. It's long. So she's quite, she's definitely overshared. All right. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I've been listening to the pod since episode one. Big fan. I'm hoping you can help me out with this mounting stress over the upcoming holidays. A few days ago, my husband sat me down to let me know that we need to figure out what our plan was for the upcoming holidays because, and I quote, my mom wants to know when she'll be getting an equal share of Christmas. (laughs) All right. It's out there. I have to sit you down. We have to talk about Christmas. It's funny how like I feel like as soon as Labor Day hits, I feel like the it, the holiday yeah. anxieties start seeping in. So here's the backstory. My husband and I met in New York City and we are building our life here. He is an only child from New Jersey where his parents divorced and his mother widowed on her second husband. Both reside. My family, my parents and my five siblings with their own spouses plus nieces and nephews live in Wisconsin. Christmas is the big holiday in my family of origin, and a number of years ago, my siblings and I agreed that the one holiday we'd like to maintain together annually is Christmas Day. As I'm sure you know, coming from a big family, it can be hard to get everyone in one place for every single day each year, so we vowed to make this a priority. To make matters a little more complicated, my parents own a seasonal retail business along with two of my siblings, and their work schedules are very demanding before and after Thanksgiving, making it not worth it to travel to Wisconsin for the short turkey day break and also hectic right up until December 24th. For the past two years, my husband and I got married in 2020. We hosted Thanksgiving at our apartment in New York City with both of his parents driving into the city to celebrate with a few close friends. Then we'd travel out to New Jersey for a few days before Christmas, approximately December 21st to 23rd, talk about an overshare, to do Christmas with each of his parents separately before traveling onto Wisconsin for Christmas Eve slash Christmas Day. In my mind, this has been the perfect arrangement. His parents got to see us both on Thanksgiving and then again for a pre-Christmas vet. And then we traveled to my family for Christmas, knowing it won't ever be possible for my entire family, 15 people and counting, to travel to New York City for Christmas. It's simply impossible with my parents' small business, the expense of flights, 15 versus two, and the fact that my parents have beds and bunk beds for all, and all we have is the couch in our small one bedroom. My mother-in-law recently brought up the topic with my husband one-on-one, and when relaying to me, he said that we need to figure out how we'll be splitting Christmas going forward. I was more than a little caught off guard since she knows how hard it is for my family to gather, 
and I thought we had a really nice tradition going. He laid out a few options for me to think about. See below, and I've included my thoughts on each. Option one, we alternate Christmas years in New Jersey and Wisconsin doing a few days pre or post in the alternate location. For example, one person gets prime dates and the other gets the following and alternating years. My issue, his family still gets Thanksgiving due to the reasons outlined above. Option two, his mother travels to my family for Christmas. My issue, not fair to my other sibling spouses who see my family instead of theirs on Christmas Day, including another widow in a similar situation. Also, there's not a separate guest bathroom slash bedroom, so she'd get a hotel. Option three, we split up the holiday with my husband spending Christmas in New Jersey and me heading to Wisconsin. My issue, this sucks all around. To add insult to injury, there are no traditions intact on my husband's side. and It almost brings me to tears to imagine a Christmas with no home-cooked meal, no tree or decor to make it cheery, missing my siblings all gathered around me, etc. I'm in desperate need of your advice. Thanks so much for reading. All right. This is a good question. I think a lot of people can probably relate to this and have these similar types of issues. Yeah. I mean, we can relate, especially coming from a big family. It's true. There's always going to be sort of like one is more convenient and one is less convenient and she has 15 people that need to travel and they're only two. And, um, you know, it, it is difficult, but I ultimately, I think that there has to just be compromise here. Um, and I think that this listener, although I understand how she feels, I relate to the intense feeling of, like she says, she almost feels like brings her to tears to imagine doing Christmas without her family, I think that she's going to have to budge here. For him, the alternative is he's literally, if she gets what she wants, he literally will never spend Christmas Day or Christmas Eve with his family ever again, which I just don't think is fair. I agree. I think she's being a little like negative about all of these scenarios. To me, this the way she's laying out is that she's not really trying to make it work. She's like, well, here's... And it seems like her husband did a great job here. Spoke to his mom. He presented... He thought about it. He presented all these options. She gets to choose. Right. Choose your thing. She is basically like, I don't want to compromise. And there's an issue with all of the... With all the things you presented, There's it, they're not perfect for me. Right. So I don't want, I'm not going to do any of them. And I really don't think that's the way to make a marriage work. Every option gives her... Some, you can pick like one thing that annoys you, but you can't pick like three. So if the issue is truly that you want to spend Christmas with your family, then like, I think it's kind of rude to be like, and your mom can't come. Yes. Because she'd have to get a hotel. Like, pay a little, get, put her up in a hotel, get, get her like a little bit of, I think that's like, to me, that's like the nicest solution in the whole thing. Then you get exactly what you want and she just gets to join. She's one person. Right. I thought the same thing. I think option two, if his mother is open to it and he's open to it, because option two doesn't include his father, which he's Mm -hmm. probably not thrilled about, but it sounds like a nice compromise on his part that his mother is willing to come to your family, which she's probably not super thrilled about because I'm sure she'd rather do her own thing as most people would, I would think, on a big holiday like that and not have to travel on Christmas. So option two, where his mother travels to your family, I would be putting her up in the Ritz Carlton and like laying out the red carpet just because she's willing to do this thing to make everybody on your side, super comfortable. So I would definitely invite her and invite the other siblings, spouses, mothers who want to come. I think if you're going to insist that you do this at your house, you have to include everybody. They might not come all the way to Wisconsin. And that's like sort of, I guess the point, but I don't think that the spirit of Christmas is like, no one else is allowed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you said the one thing you agreed on is that you're all going to try to be together on this holiday. But it sounds like part of that, she says that the other spouses who see their family instead of theirs, it's not fair to them. But like, again, do you have a rule like no outside family allowed? Or is it just that you guys are going to all see each other? Right, exactly. I think you need to include everybody, especially again, like, if his mother's a widow and she's literally going to be alone on Christmas and your siblings, you know, in-laws, there's a widow and she has nobody to be with, it really doesn't seem like it's in the spirit to, you know, just say, well, we made this pact and now we're going to leave all these widowed women to sit alone in their house on Christmas with no children. So I think option two sounds wonderful to include everybody who's willing to travel to come along. And I do think option one 
is another great option. If at some point they're not willing, I think a lot of people kind of do every other. And Mm -hmm. so, so to validate this listener, and I think this is a bigger picture and this is a place where the two of them can gain a little bit more connection. It's really hard when you get married to part of marriage, and this sounds bad, but some of it is like grieving some losses of your childhood and your traditions with your family that you're not going to always get to participate in the same way. There's beautiful blessings where you get to include your spouse every other year or whenever they're willing to come and you get to share in that. And that's so wonderful to share your family traditions with your spouse, but there is a part of it that is going to feel like a loss because you're losing, at least in part, some of these very special childhood traditions. And I think it's something worth talking about and talking about it in a vulnerable, soft way of like, it's going to be really sad for me on those years when I'm coming to Christmas in New Jersey. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be sad. I'm going to be missing that. And have your partner be supportive in a way that's like, this is part of us joining our lives and creating new traditions together is that it's not going to be exactly the same as it was. Right. Or it could be the same and you could just fly this woman out. But I mean, there's like a very like famous saying that I didn't make up that like a good compromise is something where both people are unhappy. Um, (laughs) But like, I think it's more, I think the bigger lesson for her, if she's thinking about marriage, like you said, as a whole is like, Not everything's going to be exactly how you want it when you want it, because that's sort of like the point. Like there's an entire other person with their own wants and needs next to you. And like, that's almost the biggest thing. It's like when you're single, you're kind of, I think, under the impression that everything you do is the best way to do everything. And then being married almost like holds a mirror up to you is kind of like, well, here's some of the issues with like the way that you do things. And again, this isn't necessarily an issue, but. I think the larger part of it is like being open to someone else's wants and needs is going to be actually the key to a long, healthy marriage. And this is just a specific example of that. But I think if she approached every compromise that her husband brought to her with this kind of like negative energy, right? It would be, that's almost to me like the biggest issue. Well, it's like, well, this is why all three options don't work perfectly for me. So I'm not going to do them. Right. I see that. And look, I think these, it's very loaded. I'm hoping that she's not like this in other ways. She might be, but I think this issue of family holidays is very loaded for a lot of people because it just is really emotional. And the idea of, you know, not being able to do that again or missing out on that special time is really heavy. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that the compromise piece is she's lacking here, especially because he gives her some great options. Number two, I would, I think that's a steal. I think that's a do. I would clinch number two because if she's willing to come and he's willing to say, okay, I'm going to leave my dad behind, but at least I'll have my mother and she'll be happy. I think I would, I would take that one. And here's the other thing. Sometimes people don't even really want to go, but they just want to be invited. Right. Like if you give option two, and I've learned that with a lot of family members or just people in general, like, if you just feel like like welcoming and they know they have the option to go there, she might be like, this seems like a hassle. I'm not actually right. going to do that. But just the idea, like you, then it's win-win for you because then you're like, oh, I'm welcoming. I've extended the olive branch. You know, you're always welcome here. Right. And then like, again, if she comes, it's like, unless you hate her and she's like a complete toxic negative energy, like it's not going to be a big issue for you. She's just going to be like, like you said, in a hotel and then just coming for the day and like made so happy by that. And I am willing to bet that she doesn't come every year. Right. Personally. Yeah. And look, at honestly, I think if she, I agree with you, but if she did, this is an opportunity for you to create a new tradition. Like you cannot, by nature, traditions are things that people really don't want changed. That's yeah. part of the concept of it. But when you get married, you have to create new traditions that incorporate your partner's traditions and what they want. So, you know, his mother coming for Christmas and his mother baking her, you know, apple pie or whatever it is, is going to be part of your new family tradition, if that's what ends up happening. I I hear you, maybe she won't come, but I think you do have to be open to the idea that it can't just be he marries you and now Christmas is exactly the way it was for you before he got there every single year going forward and he loses his entire 
Christmas. So I, I don't think that that's fair. I think you need to lean into creating new family traditions that involve some aspects of his family. I agree. Okay, I think we helped. All right, I hope so. I'm sure other people are going to be dealing with this, so compromise. Spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and get ready for summer. I love working out with Peloton. I take their yoga classes multiple times a week. I also love Pilates. I just love that the classes on Peloton are so well done. The music is great. The instructors know what they're doing. I know everything's going to go super, super smoothly. It's an app I can trust. I always feel better after I take a Peloton class. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, Peloton has classes for you, giving you the flexibility you need to move your body. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class. If you want to level up, go to their Pilates or HIIT workouts or try yoga if you just need to ground yourself. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Peloton is everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get into our ethical email. All right, I'll read this one. Betcha sis, let's do this. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Bernstein. My question today is kind of two parts. Can you tell your boyfriend that it bothers you he doesn't pay for more things? Or are there some issues in a relationship that you just can't discuss? The problem here is he pays for about 50% of the things we do together, maybe slightly less. And I would agree that 50-50 is fair, yet here I am feeling upset when the bill comes and he doesn't reach for his wallet. I always offer and it feels like he takes me up on it far too much. <laughs> I wouldn't Empty consider- gesture. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself old fashioned, but suddenly it started to really bother me how much he talks about making lots of money and getting a raise, yet I don't feel quote unquote taken care of. I can afford to split things 50-50. It's not about the money really. It just doesn't make me feel great. However, I can only imagine how I would sound if I brought it up. So is this something I just have to accept or do you have any advice for me? Thanks so much. I think this is such an interesting one for, you know, for the year that we're in, like, I could struggle with this too, where it's like, yeah, I believe in equality of the sexes, right? I believe in, you know, in a perfect world, we can split everything and we're all completely equal. However, it feels nice to have a guy pay for the first date, or it feels nice to have your boyfriend or your husband take you to dinner. And I don't know if she's even saying this in a gender roles way, but it does. She says taken care of, right? which to me is like, steeped a little bit in the gender norms of like the woman is being taken care of. Right. Well, if you imagine this being written by a man about his girlfriend, it would sound just odd because of gender norms. Right. Like if the man was saying, I don't feel taken care of because she doesn't pay for dinner. Yeah. And I get that. And I mean, I've struggled with that too on, on occasion. I think that there's like, there's a sense of, I can make it on my own, but I don't know if I want to, or I don't know. What do you think? I wonder here, because she says it's not about the money. And I do think there's this, there's still this old fashioned lingering thing about the chivalry of a man paying for things that I think is just seeped into our culture. However, I think for her, I wonder, and she uses the phrase taken care of, I wonder if there's other areas where it's lacking and it maybe it's feels stronger in this particular area. And this is a very black and white example. Black like and white. He pays and I, or he doesn't pay. Yeah. Right. And sometimes what I twofold. One, I wonder if there's some other things that he's not doing. So let's say he's, you know, taking care of her and maybe he's not even like sexually, maybe he's not taking care of her and not making her a priority. Or maybe um in terms of just things 
like buying her the chocolates that she likes or doing nice little gestures for her that make her feel taken care of or offering to give her a massage or just offering to emotionally take care of her, ask her about her day. Or I wonder if there's other areas where she's feeling this and this one's coming to light because it's black and white and also perhaps coming to light. I think a lot of times this happens with couples. If you're in front of other people or you're seeing things that other people are doing, or you're going out with other couples and the the man is always paying. And it's like an interesting phenomenon. Like, and I don't know how this is with your friend group, but if you go out with a bunch of couples, it's like the guys that are pulling out the cards. Right. And even if like, even if the girl is paying and maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me. We have a shared credit card and like Mike is always paying, but like he's paying with our card. Right. It feels like he's paying, but he's not paying. Right. So it's such a weird thing. Like, why is he pulling out the card? And it's a kind of almost a show. Like, if you guys go out alone together, is he still pulling out the card versus if you go out with other couples who's pulling out? Like, it's almost there's still this cultural thing that, like, the guy has to put the card on the table. Even like you said, if you have a shared credit card or in this case, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but is she seeing that her friend's boyfriends are paying and then that's what's making her want her boyfriend to pay more, even though, like she said, she's not really about the money and she doesn't really care. So two things. One right. is, is it like a a thing where you're comparing yourself to other people and are there other ways that maybe you're lacking? So as far as bringing this up, that was her question, right? Can she mm-hmm. bring it up and how? I think if she's listening to this and she's thinking, are there other ways that I'm not feeling taken care of? Then I think she can bring that up as a whole, you know, like I'm craving some more caretaking in our relationship and Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, whether it's like he notices that she's out of, you know, hand soap and he comes over and says, Oh, I noticed you were out of hand soap. I'm bringing some over or just some little thoughtful gestures or doing something kind for her. If he's not doing those things, or like I said, maybe sexually he's he's being selfish or whatever else is going on, I would pay attention to what it really is. And if it really is about this, she might want to question why this particular thing, if it's really not about the money and he is taking care of her in every other way, why this is bothering her. Maybe there's a fear long-term. If they have kids, will she be able to support Will he be able to support her or will they have a lifestyle that she's looking for? So I don't think it's really about the paying for dinner. I think there's probably a bigger picture, whether it's about being taken care of in general, or maybe it's about some future fear of like a future together and what he's going to be able to, or what type of lifestyle they're going to be able to afford together. Right. Yeah. I'd like to think about it also in the other way around too. I agree with, I agree with that. It's probably not about this thing in particular. But like, you know, how would she feel if he was like, you know, I would like there to be dinner on the table when I get home. I would make me feel taken care of. Right. I'm not saying, again, this is like terrible or great to hear from anyone, but it's kind of like it also kind of gives you. I don't think it's bad or good to have that feeling. I just kind of feel. And if that's who you are and that's what you value and the other person doesn't is not interested in that, it's good to know that. Right. Like part of me is is a fan of just owning your preferences, even if they are not traditionally okay or gender equality. Okay. Like this is what you like and this is your preference. It's not, it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you good. It's kind of what makes you feel good. And if the other person's kind of like, that's not kind of how I operate or that's not mm-hmm. really what I'm looking to do, then it's good to know that. Right. You Especially know, rather if they're than, in a dating you know, stage than a married stage. Totally. And then I think like, you know, because that's where resentment lies if you don't say that ever. Right. And the person thinks they're with some, like to bring it back to the beginning of the conversation that we had at the beginning of the episode, it's like the person doesn't know who they're dating. The person right. they're dating likes when the guy picks up the check and makes them feel good. And that, and he might not be into that. And maybe you're not as much of a match as you think you are. And I think it's the kind of thing where you could let it go, but you might it might show up in other ways as you're going forward. And it's it's a good thing to know. And maybe the person's, maybe that's not their thing, but they're willing to do it because it doesn't matter that much to them. And I like to think of the dinner example too, of like, I like when I'm working from home that whoever I'm with, like if they brought me like, if they brought me lunch or they made me a sandwich, I would like that. Right. And if the other person's like, well, that's not really like something I'm interested in doing. Neither person is wrong, but maybe you're not, 
as compatible as you thought you would be. Right, right. I do think this needs to be either one of two things. Either she needs to do some introspection about what she's really looking for or why she really needs this. Maybe there's a lack of romance in the relationship is another thing. Like sometimes just the gesture of paying for a meal makes the meal feel like more romantic. And maybe he can make it more romantic in another way. Maybe he can make the dinner reservation and pick the spot and plan a night and, you know, do something like that. Even if you're still splitting it, he's putting the effort in. So I think, firstly, I would be introspective about why you want this. And if you want it, just like you said, because you just want it, or you feel like it's romantic or chivalrous or just something that's really important to you, I do think that it's okay to communicate that in a way that sounds sort of like when we go out to dinner, it really makes me feel cared for and taken care of when you pay for it. And it would mean a lot to me if you would do that more often. And if it's an issue of he doesn't have the money or it's going to be financially stressful for him, then you have to find a way for him to make that up elsewhere. You know, right. like maybe you buy the groceries or whatever you want to do to to even it out if it really is. And this is a good way to find out. Is it a financial burden for him to do that. He talks about making lots of money and getting a raise. Right. Yet I don't feel taken care of. I think that part would probably annoy me more. <laughs> I, right. I kind of agree with her where she's like, I start to get irritated that he's talking about how much money he's he's making and he's not paying. Right. Yeah. And it's also just sort of like I think that boils down to like the future piece. Like is he just like hoarding up all this money for himself. He's not really sharing it with me. Is this going to be something that's going to be an issue going forward versus like if someone you want to feel like a team, like his win is your win. Like you guys are in this together. I got this bonus or I got this. I'm going to take us on a trip. I'm going to take us out to dinner. I'm going to do something nice for us as opposed to him just taking his raise and putting in his bank account and then you guys continuing to split dinner. Right. And her, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, like you said, makes me feel really great when you treat me to dinner. I love that. Maybe bring it up at the time that he does it. Right. You can start that way if that doesn't sink in. I think sometimes that does work. That's all it takes. Kind of like we talked about last time with Don't Shoot the Dog, the book right. about like the dolphin training, where it's like sometimes all it takes is someone to like hear and see that you physically are like positively reacting to them doing something for them to do it more. Totally. And then if that doesn't work, then you berate them until they feel terrible about themselves. <laughs> and then you know, they do it. And then they'll angrily slap right. their card on the table at every <laughs> and meal. And it feels weird. Yeah. Then when they do do it, it still doesn't feel good. That's the other route that, you know, I used to take first. <laughs> Not recommended. No, that's a good way to go about it. But I guess to her, to answer her question directly... Can you tell your boyfriend that it bothers you that he doesn't pay for more things? I think yes, but I would phrase it. I would start, like I just said, phrasing it in the what does make me feel good. Yes. Way. The next time he does it, be positive. Say this really means a lot to me. I really appreciate when you take care of dinner. It feels really romantic. And even saying like that's an opportunity to open up conversation of like, are there things that you would that feel really good when I do them for you? Or what can I do more for you that makes you feel really loved and taken care of in the relationship? So he has an opportunity to feel like, okay, this isn't just a one-sided thing where I have to take care of you. There are ways that you can open up the dialogue and let him express what maybe you could do a little bit more of so that he doesn't feel like he's just giving in the relationship. Yeah. And I think as you get more intimate as you get to be like a in a longer term relationship it is a very interesting conversation to say like what was it like growing up for you when you were a kid like was your mom making dinner every night was you know was your dad kind of the breadwinner like what was the vibe growing up in your home i do think that kind of tells you a little bit about what the person's used to or what they expect and those are important sometimes contentious conversations right. i think where or they don't have to be, but I think that tells you a lot about like the way that they think about, you know, money and relationships or traditional gender roles, if they believe in them, if they don't, if they're they're looking for that in the future. That's all very good stuff to know. Yeah. It's a great opener for a conversation about and sometimes people will realize once they talk about where their family of origin and what that was like, that they're just automatically expecting things to be the same way. And they might be more open to shifting to meet the needs of the relationship once you're kind of like, okay, I'm just doing this automatically because it just feels like what I've seen. 
And I don't necessarily buy into it or need to follow along with that. But sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it until you have that conversation. It is okay to talk about it. Long story short. Yes, that's the short answer. (laughs) Just do it in a soft and grateful way. Yes. And I would almost do it further away from the actual. If you're going to do it in in a negative way, then separate it from the thing. In the moment, you might be like super irritated. Right. You know, when you're putting down the card and he's not also putting his down or it doesn't, you might, that might be the wrong time to do it. Right. And you're also, you just had this night out and you're going to kind of now, you know, potentially have an argument after you've just, and so not only do you get to lay down a hundred dollars for a meal out, but it's going to be, the whole night's going to be ruined because you're going to have a fight about it afterwards. So, right. Maybe the next day when you're feeling a little bit more calm. Totally. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was a Amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, should we play some Triggered? Let's do it. Let's do it. Dear Jordana and Dr. Naomi, I love everything about this podcast. I have a triggering scenario. I have had two kids and have really struggled losing weight and keeping it off. I'm very active and go to the gym regularly, but I've never stuck to a hardcore diet. My husband is well-versed in physical fitness and nutrition because that is a big portion of his job. A friend of, m- of mine started calculating her macros and has seen a big difference, so she's inspired me to give it a shot. When I mentioned this to my husband, he gave me a long lecture and said that any online calculator I'm using is going to give me generic numbers, and so I'm just wasting my time. He told me that he doesn't think I have enough self-discipline to go through with it. He was not supportive at all like I expected him to be and ended the conversation with, just don't spend a lot of money on unnecessary food. (laughs) How triggered can I be? Sincerely, a discouraged betch. Yeah, I think this is pretty triggering. I think she's trying to do something that's important to her and... not getting his support. I could see that feeling really upsetting, not just about this, but maybe just his lack, you know, an indicator of his lack of support and things that she probably could use his support on. So yeah, I don't think it was like, you know, we've heard definitely things on Triggered that have been a lot more rude, the delivery, but I think that, well, him saying, I don't have enough self-discipline to go through with it. That's not nice and very discouraging. Yeah, I think that's a very triggering comment. That's like saying I have a character flaw. Right. (laughs) Self-discipline. Yeah, that's like a big overarching thing. Right. And I mean, I'm curious to know, I guess, like, I assume this is coming from some previous, the fact that all the things that he said, I'm not assuming this might be completely off base, that maybe she's tried some stuff before that have been, that if she's quit or that she spent a lot of money on and he feels like a little frustrated with that. I'm assuming that's where it comes from. And it's not like the first time she's trying something and he's just being kind of mean for no reason. Yeah. But if he is, that's sort of a bigger issue. Yeah. I, you know, he, it does sound like maybe he's just frustrated at some, at her efforts, not having um, panned out throughout the, their marriage or their relationship. But I, I do think that this is not what you want in a partner. Maybe you need to have more of a conversation here about, I know that maybe I haven't followed through with things on the past, but I, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. I love your support. And the other piece, okay, so this isn't going to be the popular answer, but just to play devil's advocate. And I do agree with you. I don't think this was nice. And I think this is triggering. So I will state that caveat in the beginning. I'd give it an eight. I would give it like a seven. I agree. On the flip side, if she keeps coming to him with all these ideas of different things that she like wants to do and he's like super supportive and he's getting into it and feeling like, okay, she's going to do this and she never follows through, 
there is this part of like, when someone's kind of complaining about something and unhappy, and then you like try to give them ideas and try to help them, and then they're just sort of not following through, it can be a little bit frustrating. So I think maybe the conversation changing where he, she can say to him, like, I was really hurt that you weren't supportive here. And we, I'd like to have a conversation about how you're feeling about being supportive in my journey, trying to, you know, be healthier or whatever it is. And it might come out that, you know, she's just kind of complaining about different things and not following through, which I think could be frustrating, perhaps, for him. Again, I don't think that he was kind, and I don't think this was a great way to do it. And I think that she needs to have a conversation with him about how he can be more supportive. So saying to him, like, maybe that's part of why she struggled. Maybe she struggled yeah. because he's not really being supportive of her. So I think this might be a bigger issue in terms of like him being able, especially if he's hardcore, what did she say? Well-versed in fitness and nutrition. Like, he should be someone who's really helping. So maybe she's not, I guess there's a chance that she's not really accepting his help or I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Either he's just like totally not nice and just overall unsupportive. But like you said, maybe there's a part of this where there's like a pattern here of something that is frustrating right. him. Um, yeah. So unearthing that, figuring out what that is and just, if he's really into fitness and nutrition, like maybe you need to ask him for some help in different ways. You know, I don't know what the background is and I, this is triggering and he's not being supportive and it's not nice, but I would dig a little deeper to figure out why you're not getting his support and what's I going agree. on. I think you need like the past history of what, of what has happened around this between with the two of you and what you've done and how that's affected him in order to get the full scope. But totally agree. Taking it for what it is, it's really hard to do something like this without the support of your husband and him saying, I don't think you have enough self-discipline to go through with it is right. Not encouraging. So deflating. Yes. I agree. All right, let's do another one. Okay. Hey, Jordana and Dr. Naomi, my childhood best friend from fourth grade through high school moved out of state for college and never moved back. We used to try and see each other over the summer when she would be visiting her family, but it got harder when she started working full time. I was still in school. I live in Orlando now and have had for several years, which she knows because she has stayed with me before. I was scrolling through Instagram one day and see a picture of her and another one of our friends from school who also lives in Orlando at one of the local theme parks. I reached out asking if she was in town, to which she responded yes, but that she was leaving to go to her hometown an hour away. I have a pass to the park, so I could have easily joined them. But instead, she asked if I was going to be back in our hometown so maybe she could see me. How triggered should I be? that my childhood best friend didn't even bother telling me she was coming to town until I found out via Instagram. Thanks, a forgotten betch. Yeah, I could. I would be annoyed, I guess, I think. Yeah, I think I would, I would be annoyed too. I'm, I don't know why, you know, it's weird. I think it's weird because she's hanging out with their mutual friend. Yes. She saw a picture of her at the park with like her cousin. I could see where she's like, I didn't really have time and it would feel a little weird to be like inviting you out with me and my cousin because right. I just I'm in town and we're supposed to see each other. I don't want to make it like a big event. But the right. fact that it's their friend from school, a mutual friend, right? Right. Yeah. To me, seems a little odd. Yeah, I would probably be offended by this. I could see this being offensive. The one thing I could think of is I don't know if this other friend is also from their hometown. So maybe she's just like associating this person with her hometown, which is an hour away and kind of like, oh, I think of her when I go home as opposed to when I go to Orlando. So maybe she just like associated her with the hometown and was kind of thinking that they would meet up there because maybe they could both see their parents together and kind of associated her with like getting together in the hometown. But that being said, if this was a mutual friend and they got together to do something, it would have been nice to have the invite. Although, like you said, sometimes you just kind of want like a one-on-one catch-up. Yeah, I think that's true too. Or you're, yeah. And I think that it sounds kind of harsh to say that, but I think we've all had scenarios where we're like coming into town to do something. We don't have like a ton of time. We have plans with this friend and you're just kind of like, I don't really like feel like coordinating a bigger thing. I'm just going to see the person and then leave. Right. Yeah, it would have been nice to include her, especially if they're all friends together. But I guess there could have been, you know, maybe they're 
you know, they're having more conversation and they had something that they, you know, wanted to talk about one-on-one. I could see this being triggering, but I also, I don't think she's like an awful friend for it because she did ask you to hang out back in your hometown. Can she say something? Um, Yeah, I guess I think she could say, oh, it sounds so, I saw that you guys went to Disney. It sounds like that would have been really fun. Uh, Maybe next time you do that, you could, you know, I could join you guys. Right. I would have loved to have come. Right. And if she's being honest, maybe she'll say, yeah, we just had like a lot of stuff that we needed to catch up on or like she's going through some stuff or what, you know, maybe she'll give you some reason why she didn't invite you to that. But I have a feeling she's just associating. I've I've had experiences like that where you just like associate a person with a place and she's kind of like, okay, I'm going home. I can see this friend at home and she might want to come home too. And then she can like combine visits and see her family and see me. And um, so it may have just been as simple as that. But I do think that you could bring it up and maybe she would let you know why she didn't invite you or at least plant the seed that if it happens again, you'd like to be invited. Yeah, I agree. I think there's probably a good, relatively good explanation for it. Sometimes you see on Instagram, someone's like around and you're like, especially if they're not from town and they're they're here and then they didn't message you. And I get that that like feels like a, a mm-hmm. small sting. It's usually, I think, not personal. We had something happen with our brother, actually. It was funny. I like, no, I have a mutual friend with one of his friend's wives okay. or I work with her. Right. And I happened to be on like a call with her and she goes, yeah, I just saw like your brother. Like, and I'm like, it's our brother, Josh, who lives in Dallas. The right. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like in New York. And I'm like, and were you in Dallas? She's like, no, he was like here. You were like, oh, this is embarrassing. Right. I'm like, what do you mean he was here? Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, did I just, she's like, did I just say something like wrong or, or, or like, did I just out him? Like this is, it bothered me like a tiny bit, mm-hmm. but not that much and then i eventually like when i happened to be speaking to him mentioned that he's like yeah i was in town for like literally a day it was like there was this dinner it was right there it was convenient it was like my friends i was not here for a long time mm-hmm. um i didn't want to make it like a thing that i was in town and you're kind of like yeah like that's fine it's right. just like it's almost like it's almost better sometimes to get the text that's like i'm here i don't have any time but like wish i could right. see you but i'll see you next time as opposed to like I'm secretly in town and trying to hide from you. Um, Although I don't think that was the case, but not at all. It was funny. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I could see, I could see it. Although the truth is like this type of thing, if she's, and it's a perfect example, like, you know, Josh coming to New York, if he was going to text everybody who he knew in New York and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm coming to New York. It's only for a day. Sorry. I'm not going to be able to see you. He'd have to send out 20 texts, which is like really annoying also. You know, I, yeah, I agree with that. And that's a great point. And so, Josh, I've forgiven you. I'm no longer <laughs> triggered by this statement, but one day I'm going to come to Dallas and not text you. And that's going to be my re- <laughs> long game revenge. No, I'm just kidding. Like, the other thing is, I also feel like secure in the fact that, like, right. we're close and he, and he loves me. And we're like, we're, there's no like weird, like, there's no, I think with friends sometimes, you know, you're never sure if someone, if you're on the same page 100% yes. are we as close as we think we are. And I think this could bring up feelings of that. So I get the triggeredness of that. Right. And I do think as far as all of these triggered scenarios go, and I know it's hard for people, but I think it's a good rule of thumb just for your own mental health to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because otherwise you're just kind of thinking the worst and thinking people have the worst intentions. And A, most of the time they don't. So you're now going to ruminate and get yourself all worked up about something that's not even true. And the worst case scenario is you give them the benefit of the doubt and it really was something that wasn't kind. And like, now you've just lived in peace for the last week over this instead of being upset and like what harm is really done. I agree. Unless it's like continuous. And then you could be like, okay, this feels like a pattern of being left out by this person. Or I think a one-off gives someone the benefit of the doubt. If something keeps happening, if you see again next week, she's back in town. Right. That's another story. And especially if you mentioned, I would have, that would look so fun next time. Let me know and I'll, I'll come with you guys or I'd love to come with you guys. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. All right. Let's do one more. We have a voicemail. If you guys want to leave us a voice message, you can leave us one at 646-363-6294 or keep sending these emails. They're great. Oversharing at Betches.com. Oversharing at Betches.com. Hi, 
my name's Megan. I love the pod. I'm just calling in. I have a triggered question for you. I am experiencing, I work as an occupational therapist, and I am experiencing a lot of patients who ask me if I am single or married or dating just because I work in the geriatric population. And I struggle with this question as I am 27 and I am single and I don't want to be and I'm actively dating and trying to meet people. So I guess I'm just wondering how triggered you would feel in my situation if a patient asks you if you're married since it happens nearly every day. And the best way to kind of answer that question in a professional manner. Thank you so much. I love the pod. Love you both. Thanks. Oh, love you Great too, question. Megan. Yeah. Thanks um, for calling in. What do you think? Yeah. So a couple of things. I think she has to decide what she wants to disclose and not. I think it sounds like she's a little bit insecure about her status and it brings up negative feelings for her to say that she's single. So that's yeah. one. And I relate to that. I felt that way too. Yeah, I think a lot of people do kind of feel like it's some kind of a, you know, it's like a negative characteristic or it means you're unlovable or it means nobody's chosen you or all the things right. that we talk about, about why, you know, people feel badly about this, you know, sort of stigma or the way they feel about themselves about being single. So I think that just is what it is. That is how she feels. We can dedicate something else to her feeling more accepting of her status, but if she doesn't want to share and she doesn't want to talk about it and she kind of wants to cut off the conversation. And as a therapist, there are ways to deal with when people ask you personal questions. And, you know, I think she can very kindly say, if she really doesn't want to talk about it, she can say, I really enjoy chatting with you and I want you to feel comfortable with me, but I just really don't like talking about my personal life at work. And I hope you can understand that as a way of just saying like, I realize what they're trying to do is like connect with me or I, they're probably right. trying to say is you're so sweet and beautiful and kind. Like maybe I have someone to set you up with, or maybe, you know, I'm wondering, you know, basically like if you're available or, you know, I'm sure that there's kindness behind this. I'm sure that the people that are asking this are not thinking like what a loser. I can't believe you're still single. <laughs> like, I don't think that's what they're thinking. They're probably thinking, Oh, I have a grandson who's 29 and he would be great for you. I'm sure is probably part of what they're thinking. But I think if she doesn't want to talk about it, there's ways to say, I acknowledge that you're trying to connect with me, but I also am setting my boundaries and not wanting to share personal information. I agree with that. I guess I'm trying to think if it would come off rude. I don't think it would if you said it in a really nice way. Yeah, I think you have to say it, you know, in a way that says like, I still like you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not offended by this. You know, but I just really don't like talking about my personal life at work. And I hope you understand is a nice way to kind of say, like, you know, I'm not upset about this. I'm kind of leaving this neutrally for both of us. Right. What if she wanted to answer it in a way that sometimes I feel like if you have a canned answer that you feel empowered and goodbye that doesn't exactly extend the conversation, but you're kind of like still being friendly? Like, let's say she just doesn't like saying no to people, which I could sort of. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be tiring to constantly set the boundary. And I agree she should in like the most healthy way. And I practiced this thing when I would get asked about like dating and I didn't really want to talk about it or it was like a negative thing for me. If you have an answer that you just give to every one of those things that sort of answers the question without leading the conversation, sometimes that can feel like, again, you feel more empowered to doesn't feel as shocking every time if you know what to say. Right it's not going to rattle you trying to think in the moment of what to say. Cause you have it all prepared. Yeah. What was your line? If people asked you, I'd be like, yeah, still looking for the one or something right. or like, you know, yeah, just I'm out there dating or something. Right. Like, but I guess maybe that could, they might continue the conversation after that, but I guess this is more of a professional setting. And then if you just change the subject after that, maybe that's all they need to know. But I think that, yeah, that leads itself to potentially, opening up a larger conversation or like still seeing anyone. If you know, if you know anyone, let right. me know. Right. Well, it's funny because my like sort of unfiltered first thought was maybe they have someone they want to set you up with, you know? So mm -hmm. I guess in a professional setting, I don't know if that's appropriate. I don't know what exactly type of setting she works in, 
but maybe it's I feel a like flattering. That's why they would be asking. Yeah, right. it's probably a flattering thing that they're all asking you this. They're probably all thinking like, "Oh my gosh, like my occupational therapist is so kind and beautiful, and like I wonder if she's looking for a match." I yeah. get if you don't want to, you know, be potentially dating one of your patients' grandchildren or children <laughs> or whatever it is. It might be a little bit of crossing a boundary, but I think as a joke, you might be able to if you're willing to do that might like you said be able to if say you know anyone <laughs> yeah exactly if you know anyone let me know there's a couple of routes you could go you could do that route which is like more casual and just like giving them the information and trying to make a joke out of it and who knows maybe their grandchild will come visit them and you could meet and maybe you'd make a little yeah maybe patch. they're hot yeah <laughs> you never know um but if it's not appropriate and it's not the right setting for that i think just saying Something like, I really don't like talking about my personal life at work. Or if you don't want to answer the question, I think there's ways to get around it where you can say it in a way that still feels like you're open and you're not mad and you're not angry and you understand. Another thing is like, you know, and this is maybe more of a therapist thing, but I would say something like, I totally understand why you would be curious about me, you know, because I know a lot about you. So it makes sense that you would want to know more about me. And that's just normal in terms of human interaction, except sometimes in a professional setting, especially in something like healthcare, where the provider finds out everything about you and you know nothing about them. Sometimes it can feel like a little bit like I'm trying to connect with you, but there's this big wall up. So just kind of acknowledging, you know, I can understand why you're curious about me, but I just really don't like talking about my personal life at work. I hope you can understand that if she doesn't want to answer the question. Right. I agree. I think she has to decide what she's most comfortable with, but those are all good options. I'd give this a four. Yeah, I would give it pretty low. I think this is yeah. her issue. I think they're probably really... I don't think anyone that, is asking to be offensive at all. Yeah. I think they probably are asking on the, actually the reverse. Like, what a catch. Are you single? Yeah. Totally. But I could see why it would feel like, I don't, where do I start? (laughs) 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 Totally. But that's it for this week's oversharing. Thank you guys for writing in, for leaving voicemails. Again, that's oversharingyourbadges.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. And don't forget, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, write us a nice little Apple review. We love seeing those. We love reading them. It helps the show. So if you're a fan of the show, you can support the show by giving us a a five-star review. All right. That's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Salz-McCann. Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton, only on Netflix May 16th. Betches.